Greetings once again, all brothers and sisters of Alpha Omega International and from around the world as well. We learned this past week through our uh, YouTube video that we have so far over 300 views. And we praise God for that because even in this circumstance, last Sunday we reached more people on a Sunday service than we ever have before. So we certainly are appreciative uh, to the Lord for that. And we also uh, appreciate your patience with us. This is our second service online. And so once again, we welcome you to join, gather all the family together and, and uh, your, your kids together. And let's enjoy once again, looking at the word of God. Today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13. In fact, for those of you that attend Alpha Omega International, you know that I've gone through the book of Hebrews as a sermon series. And sadly, somewhat, this is the last sermon coming from the book of Hebrews. And I hope uh, you've enjoyed this great letter that was written to the church. I know I have. I've learned so much. And God has touched me in so many ways. So if you're watching from America today, uh, you haven't been with us during the series. Uh, this is the end of the Hebrews series. But there's a word for all of us in what I'm going to be uh, preaching from here today. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, or however you're going to look at the scriptures with us this morning, let's all turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and I'll be reading from verse 20 until the end, which is verse 25. All right, let's begin. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. In this, what we may call the benediction to the letter, when I read these verses, I find three gifts that we as Christians have received from the Lord. And I hope to help you recall what these gifts are. And through the times that we are living in today, the more we think about these three gifts that we've been given by God, I pray it will give you such strength and encouragement in your walk today. The three gifts that we find in this benediction are the gift of peace, the gift of love, and the gift of grace. Amen. So let's look at these three gifts today. And as we do, may the Holy Spirit touch every heart that is listening to God's word uh, here this morning. Number one, the gift of peace. Hebrews 13, verse 20, Paul calls God the God of peace. How many of you right now need peace? You know, in the Bible, it paints a very troubling picture for all mankind without God's intervention. For instance, in Romans chapter 5, it gives us a picture of man and it tells us three things about us without God. Number one, Romans 5 says that we are without strength. There's nothing. We have no power in ourselves to help the condition that we are in today. 
Number two, we are sinners. We are sinners before a holy God. And number three, because we are sinners, we are in rebellion against God. We are called the enemies of God. So mankind, we are without strength. We are sinners. We are the enemies of God in our rebellion. And if we were to leave it up to man to find the solution to this, if we were to try to find it ourselves, we would die in our sin. But God, the God of peace, has provided the solution. He has provided the answer in that God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners. And through his death and resurrection, we can be forgiven of all our sin. And instead of being children uh, of wrath or enemies of God, through Jesus Christ, we can now have peace with God. This is where our peace with God is found, through Jesus Christ alone, the one whom, as Paul says, God brought up from the dead. Do you know, at the resurrection of Jesus, when we read the Gospel of John, it says that after Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples were gathered in a room. The door was shut, the windows were sealed, and you can imagine the fear that has overwhelmed their hearts and the confusion, the many questions that they must have had and all the other emotions that they must have been going through. But the Bible says that Jesus suddenly appeared in their midst. And do you know the very first words he spoke to them at the resurrection? He said to them, peace be with you. Peace with God is what has been given to us through the death and resurrection of Christ. Peace with God is what is offered to all those who believe in Christ for salvation. And Paul calls this salvation the everlasting covenant. So someone might say, well, okay, today I'm saved. But what about tomorrow? What about next year? What about in the difficulties I might face in the future? Somebody might ask, how long exactly does my salvation last? My friend, salvation lasts as long as Jesus lives. And that is forever. Now, this doesn't give us any reason to believe in Jesus and then live however we want to. Of course not. Instead, it gives us reason to live joyfully with gladness and to live honorably before our God and Savior. Now, it's one thing to have peace with God. It's a whole other thing to have the peace of God in us. Jesus, Paul says, is the great shepherd. And this is where we find the peace of God living in our hearts through the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, Jesus said that he was the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he lays his life down for his sheep. But as the great shepherd, he lives again. He lives forevermore and he lives to save. He lives to protect and he lives to lead his sheep. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 14 to 16. 
I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. In these words, in these verses, Jesus mentions both the fold and the flock. And do you know when it comes to sheep, there's a difference between a fold and a flock. For instance, a fold. A fold is characterized by its circumference. In other words, a shepherd will gather the sheep together and build a wall around them, the circumference of the sheep fold. And he does that to protect them, especially in the nighttime. A flock, on the other hand, is not characterized by its circumference, but by its center. Because the center is where the shepherd is. And as the sheep are on their journey, the shepherd is there in the midst, leading them and guiding them. And this is what we have in Jesus Christ. Not only does he keep us and surrounds us, protects us in the night seasons, but as we journey through life, no matter what we experience, he is here in our midst. Remember that today, brothers and sisters. Whatever you're going through today, he is there in the midst with you, going through it together with you. So how wonderful is it that we can have the peace with God but we can also have the peace of God in our daily lives. And we are also encouraged by the fact that God is working in us, as Paul says. In the work that he does in us, he doesn't stop. He continues the work. And God himself promises that everything, every work that he begins in us, he's faithful to complete it. Praise God. So. God can even use dangers in our life. God can use what we are facing today. He can use what is around us to do his great work in us. So what do you suppose God wants to do in you today? What do you suppose is the work he wants to do in you today? For me and my own personal life, over the last, I guess, couple of weeks now, being at home, with children, with daughters. God is trying my patience. God is putting me to the test. And so I gladly receive the test. And I just say, God, whatever you need to do in me, do it. A couple of weeks ago, last week, I received a message from my sister back in America, my sister Desiree. And she let us know that she has a small cancer in her body. But she also gave us a very wonderful report that the doctors are very confident and they are, they are very encouraged by what they see. They're confident that a minor surgery and maybe radiation will take care of everything, that this is something that they know that they can handle. And so we are encouraged to hear of that and we thank the Lord for that news. But Desiree said that in the time of testing, when they had to put her through a scan, she was laying down on, on, the, on the bed and 
the nurse that was helping her was getting her all set up with all the, the mechanism and the, the, the test machinery that was going to do the scan. And the nurse tried to put my sister at ease and calm her. And she just said, listen, while this is happening, while the test is going on, I put on some music for you. Just listen to the music and, and just relax during the test. And my sister at the time said, I, I didn't even know music was playing. But eventually, as she laid there with her eyes closed, she could hear the music playing. So when the nurse left and the test began, my sister Desiree was listening to the music and she finally came to a point where she knew what the music was. And here the nurse put on a song called In Christ Alone. And when my sister heard that wonderful Christian hymn being played, to her it was a reminder from the Lord Jesus, I am here with you right now. And oh, how true is that for all of us who trust in him. It is a gift of peace, peace with God, the peace of God. And yes, we can have peace today knowing that God is at work in us. The gift of peace. Number two, the gift of love. Hebrews 13, verse 22, Paul says to his readers, I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. Now, Paul, in this letter, if you've read it before, if you've read through it, Paul has had to take quite a few moments to rebuke some believers in the church. And he's had to speak with them with pretty stern words concerning some of the things that they were going through and their attitude and their actions, such as the Hebrews that he was writing to, there was a bit of immaturity on their part in regards to the scriptures. And so there were times where Paul had to rebuke them had to chastise them and, and had to encourage them to, to grow, not to settle, but to grow and move on in their faith in Jesus. But as Paul says in this verse, and as, I, as I'm sure the church already knew, they were to listen to this correction, to listen to this rebuke as brothers and sisters in Christ. As we mentioned in last week's sermon, there was a great love between the author and the readers and hearers of this letter. Just because he had to send some chastising words did not mean Paul didn't love them. Of course he did. He loved them, therefore he chastised them. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says, quoting the book of Proverbs chapter 3, that whoever God chastises in life. He chastises those he calls his own children, his own sons and daughters. He chastises them in love because of love. Even Jesus says, all those that I love, I rebuke. And you know, even in ministry, I've had to experience the same thing. There have been times where I've had to privately point out error in a brother or a sister in Christ. And I don't do that as someone who is perfect or as someone who even pretends to be perfect. I do it because I genuinely love and care about that individual. I am concerned about their spiritual well-being and life. What we do is out of love. And that's what love does. The Bible says that we are to speak the truth to people. But when we do, we are commanded to speak in 
love. Always in love. You know, God, through the church, He has built us into a family of love where we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 23 of Hebrews 13, Paul says to the church, know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see if he comes or with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Now Paul knew Timothy was in prison, but he's been set free. Paul knew that if I if he shares this information with the church, they will rejoice. How does he know that? Because it's our brother Timothy. And of course they would rejoice knowing that one of their own family in Christ has been set free. You know, throughout the years of Alpha Omega International, and I'm sure wherever you are watching from, whatever church you belong to, I'm sure this is true of your church as well. We have been through many difficulties and we've been through much rejoicing, but we always bear sorrow together and we always rejoice together because we love each other. This is what love is all about. Hebrews 13, 24, Paul says, greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. And then he says, those from Italy greet you. You know, this word greet, it's a wonderful, affectionate word. It can mean to say a nice hello. It even means sometimes to salute someone. But here, it also has the meaning to embrace one another in Christian love. Now, as of a few weeks ago, I always embraced people. I embraced my wife and my children. And there are some of us at church that don't mind embracing each other every once in a while. And I hope at some point we can get back to that. I know we will want to be careful, at least for a while, but hopefully somewhere in the future, we can learn to embrace each other once again in Christian love. And Paul encourages this to just at least be affectionate and to show affection in our words and in our gestures toward each other. But look what else he says. He says, those from Italy greet you. The Italians, most, uh, more precisely, the Romans he's talking about, and the Hebrew people. You would think this is probably the most improbable relationship, the Romans and the Hebrews. All you have to do is look at the Gospels and look at history. In the Gospels, we learn that the Romans despised the Jewish people. And of course, the Jewish people didn't like the Romans as well. And in history, we learn that within a couple of decades after the writing of this letter to the Hebrews, the Romans are going to come and destroy the Jewish temple and burn it down. The Romans despised the Hebrews and it worked vice versa as well. But here, Paul says, those from Italy greet you in love, Hebrews. How have people from Rome come into such a loving relationship with the Hebrew people? Because they have one thing in common. They are believers in Jesus Christ. And as all believers in Christ, we have been brought together as a Christian family, brothers and sisters. According to the world, at least in Paul's day, 
according to the world, if you leave it up to man, one group of people want to dominate another. One group of people want to step on other cultures and societies and races. Not so with the children of God. We are one people in Christ. Amen. We are to love one another. So how do we love in this manner? How do we love each other in such ways? If you're watching me today, maybe you are a husband or a wife and you say, but how do I love my spouse even though he or she did this to me? Maybe there's a, a child out there, a son or a daughter who says, how do I continue loving my parents even though they said this to me or they've treated me in this way? Or maybe it's concerning a friend or a coworker. How do I love someone who has hurt me, who has done something or said something against me? The answer is that God gives us the gift of love. He promises us that through the Holy Spirit, he will pour out his love into our hearts so that we will learn to love not as man loves man, but as God loves man. That we will do exactly what Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. So if you today are having difficulty loving someone because of something that's happened, ask God once again to pour his love into your heart and he will teach you to love the kind of love that has no bounds, no limits, that loves no matter what has happened in the past. That's a great love. And it's only the kind of love that can be given to us by our God, the gift of love. And last, we have the gift of grace. He closes the letter to the Hebrews with this last verse. Grace be with you all. And he says, amen. God's grace. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace alone. By putting our trust and faith in Jesus, we're saved. Not because of what we do, not, be, not because we sort of impress God with any works that we've done. No, God will have none of that. God says it is by grace alone, something that he has freely given to us. In fact, the very word grace is a gift. And so we have received this gift of grace from God. Grace is God's constant favor in our life, his constant strength to meet our every need, and his constant kindness throughout our lives. And you know, there are many times where God's grace is in action in our lives, and we might miss it. We might not even recognize what he's doing. And I think that's going to happen to all of us. I think God has done so much more than we even know. And maybe we won't know until we see him in glory and he reveals all that he's done and we will give him praise and glory for all the grace that he has poured upon our life. But you know, God is acting in kindness and in grace even when we don't even recognize it. For those of you that attend Alpha Omega International, for all my friends and family here in Indonesia, you know the story about my youngest daughter, Ella. But I think it needs to be repeated. In fact, if you don't know, if you're watching, let me share the story with you shortly. 
My daughter, Ella, who's 12 years old, she was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes. And you know, since December, through December, January, and some of February, now that we look back, there were symptoms, symptoms that she was explaining to us, whether it was constant thirst, pain in her legs in the morning, she was losing weight, but they didn't happen all together at once. It was just one symptom. And then maybe several weeks later, another symptom. And for whatever reason, I was not putting together. I wasn't connecting the dots and I never thought this could be anything like high blood sugar. I didn't know what was going on in my daughter's body, but praise God, he did. And it got to a point where it was so severe. She had what was called ketoacidosis, which is a life threatening disease. And so we rushed her to the hospital and she was in the ICU, ICU uh, area. Her breathing was out of control. She was falling in and out of consciousness. The doctors weren't quite sure what to do. And finally, they contacted a doctor who specializes in diabetes and with children as well. And through the instruction of this doctor over the phone, they did several things for my daughter. My daughter ended up slipping into what they call a pre-coma. She had to have brain scans done and it showed that she had swelling in the brain. And this caused much concern for all the doctors. But this diabetes doctor speaking through the phone gave them specific instructions to do. Well, in the end of all of this, my daughter is alive today and she's well today. In fact, she's waiting downstairs for me right now. She's doing wonderfully today and we praise God. But when I think about all that has happened, I'm so thankful for God's grace. He knew what was happening with my daughter, even when I didn't realize it. And I believe through God's grace, he gave the perfect doctor at the very right time. In fact, the first day when my daughter woke up in the ICU room, which in itself was a miracle at the time, the doctor, the diabetes doctor that I was talking about, she came in to introduce herself. And she said, when she heard about what happened to Ella, she said, all I know, and this woman is not a Christian, but she said, all I know is I felt God telling me what to do. And so I only did what I felt God would have me do. And the fact that your daughter is alive right now, that's a miracle of God. And so I'm very thankful. I believe by God's grace, he gave us the perfect doctor at the perfect time. But you know what? I think it goes more than that. Because the more we think about all that has happened, I believe that not only did God show us grace by giving us the perfect doctor, I now believe God has shown grace to the doctor because he has given her a patient named Ella who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just the other day, actually a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, I said to Ella, Ella, evidently the Lord has a plan for your life. The Lord is calling you to do something for his glory. So what do you want to do? The very first thing she says, I want my doctor to know Jesus Christ. And to that, like Paul, I said, amen, may it be so. And so we believe that God is going to show grace to our doctor and one day she will know Jesus Christ. God is constantly acting through grace, by grace. He shows us grace and he also uses us to show grace to other people. 
And so I pray today that you receive the grace of God and you also become a vessel that God can use to show grace to someone else. So I conclude with this. For all those who are listening today, there is an infinite measure of peace and love and grace if you will just put your trust in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you today, do you have peace with God? Do you even have the peace of God in your hearts? If you know that you need peace with God today, or you need the peace of God, trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're listening today and you want that love of God in your life. You want to feel love and you want to love someone else. Trust in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you need grace, as we all do. But right now you know that you need this grace of God. You know that you must be saved by this grace. You know that you can't make it through life's challenges. You can't make it on your own. You need God's help. You need His grace. If that's you today, trust in Jesus Christ. And I promise that if you do these things, if you put your hope and trust in Jesus, these things will flow into your life like a waterfall. Let me pray for you right now. God, thank you for this message from Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Thank you, God, for the gifts of peace, of love, of grace. And I pray, Lord, for those who are listening, you know everyone, and you know the situation of every person, every individual person. You know every need, you know every heartache, you know every challenge that they face right now. And I pray, God, as we reach out to you, as we call upon your name, Lord, I pray that we will all receive your peace and love and grace, especially in this time, in this hour which we live right now. We need you more than ever before. And for eternity's sake, we need you now than ever before. So, Lord, I declare upon all those who are listening, peace and love and grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. To all of you, I say God bless you. Thank you again. And sometime very soon, we'll see each other again. God bless you until then. Amen.